Hi, I'm Andy Moore, your Friday host of the 8 O'Clock Buzz. Thanks for spending your mornings with us. We love bringing you this blend of art and music and news and politics and, and more. In return, we ask that you spend a little to support this show. And it's easy. Go to wortfm.org slash donate. Long before Grammy Awards, long before appearances on Saturday Night Live, but not that long, imagine singer-songwriter and runaway teenager Ricky Lee Jones on the run, again, listening to, absorbing that song, that beautiful, tranquil love song, in the midst of absolute but and out-of-control personal anarchy in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Mexico. That's just one hair-raising moment among many captured in her incredibly well-told memoir, Last Chance, Texaco. Danger and love raced like side by side during the story, and and they and, and like they wind up colliding and, and like coexisting. By the time you finish reading it, and you're going to be exhausted by the time you're done. So imagine living it. We get to hear a little bit about living it from Ricky Lee Jones now. Ricky will have copies of the book for sale at her much-anticipated concert next Wednesday night at the Barrymore Theater on Atwood Avenue. Ricky Lee joins us now by phone from her home in New Orleans. Good morning, Ricky, and and thank you for joining us on the Friday Buzz. (laughs) Hello, Friday Buzz. (laughs) Uh, how'd you like that l- that long-winded introduction, huh? You probably took a nap during it. Thank you. That was very kind. I saw you looking for wonderful things to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know morning time is, uh, it, I understand, an important creative time for you, so we're especially grateful to visit now. Um, but speaking of creating, Texaco has a cool linear arch, but it almost reads like you're telling us things as they occurred to you. It has that kind of immediacy. What was the difference for you between composing, say, lyrics for pieces of music all these years and writing this long-form memoir? What did it ask differently of you? Yeah, well, I guess the first thing I think of is that the only thing they really have in common is the English language and me. I think um, it's the... I'm used to writing songs, and when we write a song, we create a universe in about 12 lines, right? So I bring you in, I I give you a sense of what happened before, what's going to happen, and hopefully you can sing along to it. Well, writing a, and I don't mean to be dismissive, certainly in the morning, but it's it's just... um, it's a big universe in just a few songs and writing poems and lyrics is a really different um, craft than writing a short story or a novel. The short story, you have to maintain that thread page after page. Well, at least I wanted to with the, with the memoir. So it took about seven years for oh. me to get any good at this. The result, um, it, it's, 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 uh, I hope to you, was well worth it. It certainly is for the reader. Um, your your childhood, um, up to your 20s, your whole life, actually, um, is such a whirlwind. I, I hate to, to uh, talk uh, about one book with reference to another, but I, I can't help it. Um, I don't know. Did you read um, Barbara Kingsolver's latest book, Demon Copperhead? 
No. Oh, well, she took David Copperfield, the story of David Copperfield, and put it in Appalachia. Um, and all kinds of, of crazy things befell this young person. And, and it, it, your, your, the front half of this book re- reminded me so much of that. So the, the, for the listeners, the book comes generally in two halves. One half is life before you hit it big, and the second half afterward. It's it, on the front half. It's not fair to say you grew up living in a haunted house only because you grew up in a ton of haunted houses by, by the time you were 20. How many different places had you and your parents moved to? Well, by the 11th grade, I had gone to 11 schools and then I was asked to leave school permanently. Um, and in Arizona, we seemed to move every other year. Uh, every year so if I if it wasn't this early I could tell you probably about seven seven houses I'm gonna get we'll we'll get into sort of that itinerant life and your and your folks in in a moment but with this little bit of prelude to last chance Texaco behind us I want to introduce the listeners to the book in I suppose it's an unusual way Uh, just like the lyrics in your songs this book brims with unforgettable characters I'm going to name a person or a place you write about in the book, and then, like a lightning round on a, on a game show, I'm asking you to give us, oh, a 20-second or so synopsis of the thing, person, or place's significance to the story, okay? Okay. All right. Here goes, and this is uh, uh, on purpose in no significant order. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Venice Speech. Oh, you want me to say a name? I, I want you to, to tell me the significance of each of these items in the story. Just a little synopsis summary of each sure. of these people, places, or things um, in like 15 or 20 seconds, like a lightning round on a game show. Yeah. <laughs> Venice was um, where I came of age. I was 18 when I got there, broke, and when I left, I was on my way. <laughs> Perfect. I think we're getting the hang of this. Here's the next one. Pegleg Jones. My grandfather, my one-legged, vaudevillian, Welsh grandfather. <laughs> Boy with the green windbreaker. Oh, that was my first crush in the eighth grade in Chicago when we moved there. And I went to that school about three months during the Democratic Convention and and subsequent riots or pre riots. So he was the beautiful, elusive boy you never get. The, the boy didn't go with you but 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 it it, it appears that the windbreaker did. The windbreaker did <laughs> Okay. Betty Jane. Um my mother, Betty Jane, she grew up in an orphanage in Mansfield, Ohio. She and her three brothers grew up there. And uh, she showed me how to escape the past and make your own version of yourself. Richard Jones. My father. um, I was named after Richard. Ricky, he would say, is a girl's name. Don't let them bully you. (laughs) (laughs) Laura Nero. Well, the elusive spirit that's always by my side. Um, when I heard Laura 
sing in 1971 or 70. Um, I'd never heard a voice like that. At that time, Janis Joplin dominated the airwaves and everybody else wanted to sing like her. But when I heard her, I heard myself. Hmm. Tom Waits. My old boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Larry Miller. Oh, a good cop. Yes, good cop. Unexpected moment. He when he when he found me, he went above and beyond mm. what a what anybody would do, much less mm. a cop. Thank you for playing along with that game. Um, for the listener, Officer Miller. Yeah. yeah, well, I could have, but hope Officer Miller had a good life because he he took me to the Salvation Army when I had nowhere to go in the middle of Chicago. So that was nice. Then he made sure you got to O'Hare, <clears throat> and on your way to your to your next mis- misadventure. <laughs> if you're just joining us, I'm talking with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter, former competitive swimmer, and professional teen runaway Ricky Lee Jones. Her <laughs> memoir is called Last Chance, Texaco. She performs next Wednesday night at Madison's Barrymore Theater. She joins us from her home in New Orleans. Um, it, it, now, it, it, your parents um, kind of ran away uh, from home themselves, only taking you and your siblings with you. You could call them itinerant. It, 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 we, we mentioned this earlier, but the, what, was it, were they looking for work or it, what? What was the restlessness there? Because uh, it, whatever that was, they passed it on to me. It's hard for me to, to say it um, hmm. from the outside. I just always seem to be looking for the right place and the better place and maybe always running from that terrible home they never had. Hmm. But they both, my father started running away at a very young age and he just, um, just kept, I guess, that maybe they swore a vow that even if they had kids, they'd keep traveling around. I, I don't know. <laughs> one, well, one can't imagine a more fluid or, or complicated relationship with parents than the one you describe with your folks in the book. Um, your father e- either walked out on or was ejected from the family several times. I, I kind of lost count. Um, you, you were kind enough to, to agree to read aloud a passage from the book this morning. Um, it, it, could you please set up the chosen passage? It's, it's about your dad. And, and read that now, if you would. Um, can you tell me, I just got the book out. Please forgive me. Was I supposed to read my dad? Here I go. I'm gonna well, I'm it? looking at page 171, and at, it's the father and the piggy bank. Uh, oh, that's a story. <laughs> so early in the Well, morning. why don't you pick one that you like to read? Uh, yeah, I'm here. That's a good story. Yeah, and I'm asking you to read it through um, uh, the line uh, in the next page um, about your mother's own heart uh, being broken. Could you do that? Um, I'll just stop there. Yeah. uh, Okay. It's called Father and the Piggy Bank. My family had moved from the trailer court to a cottage on Offutt Lake, about 10 miles from Tumwater, that's in Washington. Dad's bad luck with jobs continued. He couldn't get hired anywhere, and he wasn't doing well. He was always looking through us at some other life he was missing. 
when we came home from school, my little sister would bring dad a beer and they would sit together on the dock and look at the lake. She loved the father-daughter time and he loved his little girl's adoration and acceptance. It would be hard for her to lose him. It was early October. Mom had gone to work. I was home with Pamela when my dad started packing a duffel bag. I knew right away he was leaving us. You're leaving My mom is gone? I was so angry I could spit. How could he do this? I went into my room and sat on the bed. I wished I was anywhere but here. Pamela was crying. In his final act of diminished fatherhood, Dad came into my room and said, I don't have any money. I need to borrow some. You said you had $300 you saved for a vacation. I will pay you back as soon as I get somewhere. I'll send you the money. No, I don't want you to go. I swallowed. How could I say no to my father? I'm not giving you my money. I have, oh, sorry. I'm not giving you my money. I've been saving it all year. I worked hard for it. You, why, and finally, I want to keep my money, Daddy. Just don't go. Daddy, don't go, Pamela sobbed. Dad told Pammy to wait in the living room and everything was all right. But I could see her behind him. She'd thrown herself on the floor crying. He argued with me that I owed him, blah, blah, blah. And then he walked out into the living room. I braced for his next barrage, but he snapped out of it. And he said, no, you keep your money. It's yours. My father had given up. He picked up his duffel bag and went out the door. And then I heard my eight-year-old sister, wait, Daddy. I stood there glaring out the window when Pamela did the most remarkable thing. She caught up with my father on the path and said, here, Daddy, you can have my money, and handed him her piggy bank. Sorry, I can't read that. That's okay. That's okay. The uh, the passage is, is an incredibly moving one, and it's part of why... Um, why I was so drawn to it too. Um, this is a heartbreaking passage, uh, one that you ended uh, in the book by making a reference to uh, wondering at the moment, even as a as a as a as a young girl, um, what uh, your father's choice uh, may have done to your mother's own heart. Um, so you you had well, you had their support you had their love but you had an awful lot of confusion that came with that package and you you hitchhiked you you hitchhiked your ass off and not just to the next town across the country with impunity there's a line in the book where you speak of bullies it goes bullies can only eat the fearful is is that the thinking that kept you confident you could survive all those pickups out on the highway or or was it or was it just a safer time i think that the in the wisdom, um, the ability to put that knowledge into words comes later, but the intuitive knowledge is there in any child or any person's ability to survive dangerous people that they meet every day. And uh, it was a magic time also. Mm. There were 
so many wonderful people and then also deadly people on the same road. And if you're a hitchhiker, you and a young one like myself, 14 years old, you figure out quickly who you're in the car with and what to say and not to say. <laughs> and I guess it's still that, that I like to think I still have. As an older person now, I feel like if you meet the devil, you know, there's only so many years you get to be here. So you've got to do the best you can for the mm. whole world. But when I was a little kid, I'd go, save me, save me. <laughs> <laughs> you, your guitar was somewhat of a savior, and but you and your guitar were separated many times over all the moves and hitchhikes and runaways. But when you were reunited, and now we're getting into the music, uh, when it became serious for you, and for the rest of us, when you started writing songs and songs started coming to you, um, well, easy money. Lowell George snatched it up. And that must have been a rush. Jim Wilson, um, at this time, um, let's hear a little bit of what old Lord, Lord George did with Easy Money, and then we'll come back and we'll talk to, to Ricky about what, what it was like to hear that happen. There was a Joe He was leaning on her back door Couple chills with her eyes on a couple bills that I was stating They were waiting to get your hands on some easy money yeah. So they flipped it down Easy money. So you had been writing these songs in isolation. You were confident in them. Uh, but, but then he does that with the horns and, and, and arrangements and everything. What was it like to hear, to hear your work um, in the hands of, of, of Lowell George all of a sudden? I wonder how to describe it. Um, let's say maybe like a child who'd never been touched. <laughs> it was so much, so suddenly, all the dreams you ever had. You went, I'll stand on stage and, and accept the Grammy and the Academy Award and Queen for a Day and they'll all happen. It was like all those things were standing in the doorway. You haven't gone wow. in the door yet. There they are waiting for you. And it's an impossible thing for that door to open. And yet there he was, and there was the song. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you, you had a lot of first chances, but you had a lot of last chances, too, uh, many at gas stations. Um, why do you think you had, you, you've had so many chances at life so far? I, I always believed in an invisible world. And it always felt to me like somebody was watching me. And it's just that way with me. So it feels like I'm supposed to go somewhere. And I just set out going there. So you could say somewhere literally, but it was more I was supposed to walk to this place and be this thing and make this music. It was always meant to be. And all the weird things that happened and the terrible and the good, they led my footprints to where I was going. And um, so I can only say it just felt like it always was. It could just as easily been, never been. I've been a waitress in a, on, on SSI all my life or something in Phoenix. It seems like just a slip of luck that it made it happen. But it also 
feels like it could never have been any other way. I'm talking with Grammy-winning singer-songwriter Ricky Lee Jones. She's on the phone from her home in New Orleans. She plays the Barrymore Theater in, in Madison next Wednesday. We just have a minute or two left, Ricky, and thank you so much for, 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 for all of this time. Um, it, 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 what would be the one music album you would take with you if you had to leave the house right now in a New Orleans hurricane? Oh, <laughs> a hurricane's coming, and I have my record stash, so I'd have to grab more than one. But if my hands were full, grab a record out of there. I guess uh, uh, you're gonna. I, you got to ask me something else. I'm gonna have to think. Okay, about that. we'll come back to that in about a minute. Um, what can people expect next week at your show at, at, at Madison's Barrymore? Well, I do a wide range of my work. I work with uh, an amazing punk rocker um, who's expanded his vision of music in the seven or eight years we've worked together. He's a jazz punk rocker vibraphonist. And I say <laughs> rock because he's visceral in his approach to music. And so he, he and I on stage together are are really two whole complete chairs, as they say in the orchestra. And um, and he gives me the space I need to bend time, and uh, he gives me the support I need in case I want to throw my guitar down and crowd surf and jump out up. So <laughs> you'll hear the whole gamut, I think. Well, there's a big buzz uh, in Madison. Uh, people are really leaning into your 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 uh, visit with us next week. Ricky Lee Jones, thank you so much for joining us on the Friday Buzz, and, and safe travels uh, next week to Madison. Oh, I have a Neil Young um, bootleg that I... <laughs> <laughs> thank you for, for remembering to answer that. I would have, listening to this over, um, if I hadn't asked you to return to that. So I'm sorry. I, I'm so excited about your answer, no matter what it is. But it was a Neil, Neil Young bootleg. Yeah, it was just white on the outside. It had the original performances of, um, like, Needle and the Damage Done. And really, you know, really beautiful and inspirational renditions of if if you could do that by yourself, if you could capture your music and capture the audience by yourself, mm. that's kind of the inspiration for yeah. my feeling that the songs are just perfect by myself. So yes, yes, that's the one you'd pack for the hurricane. All right, Ricky Lee Jones and Mike Dillon uh, will be uh, if, I, if I got Mike's name right will be with us. Um, uh, next Wednesday night. Ricky Lee, thank you again for joining us on the Friday Buzz. All the best to you. Andy, thank you so much for in, inspiring me to look back at my book again oh. and reading the book during your mm -hmm. You're so welcome. Take good oh. care. Ricky Lee Jones is a Grammy Award winning singer, songwriter, and arranger. Her new album is called Pieces of Treasure. She performs with Mike Dillon next Wednesday night at the Barrymore Theater.